Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. I wanted to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So make sure you sign up for my free newsletter at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to give you tools to manage your emotions effectively. I'll also be interviewing Dr. Ed Dobby, who discusses his book, Beyond Anger Management, Master Your Anger as a Strategic Tool. He gives you insight in the moment of what to do when you're feeling strong emotions. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long-lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well, and then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long-lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and click on the page, Work with James. Fill out the form, and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, Work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Using your emotions effectively. My guest today, Dr. Ed Dobby, is going to be talking about how to use emotions strategically. But in order to be able to use them strategically, we have to know when we're feeling certain emotions. So I'm going to teach you today how to practice checking in with yourself. So you constantly have an internal scan going on in the background of your mind, which gives you clues as to when you're starting to feel strong emotions. The more awareness you have, the more successful you will be with using these strong emotions in the strategic way that you're going to hear about in just a few minutes. We all know what strong emotions feel like. In the moment, if we were to sit back and reflect, we can say, I'm very angry. I'm very sad. I'm heartbroken. Those make sense to us. Often we don't realize that our body is always telling us different things about what we're experiencing. I always like for people to separate between what our body is telling us physiologically versus what our body is telling us emotionally. For example, right now, physiologically, what is your body telling you? Is it telling you that you're sleepy? Do you have allergies? Do you have a cold today? When we can recognize what our body is telling us physiologically, then it helps us separate between what's happening to us emotionally. Because remember, whatever you believe to be true, so your thoughts, determine what your emotions are. Your emotions then determine what your body does. That's not the physiological response, that's the emotional response. On a scale of one to 10, 10 is the best you've ever felt and one is the worst you've ever felt. We want to separate between what our body is physiologically telling us on a scale of 1 to 10 and then what our emotions are telling us on a scale of 1 to 10. So for example, today I got some really good rest. So physiologically on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling probably about an 8. 
And then emotionally, <laughs> I'll be honest, my computer crashed. And so my emotions right now are probably about a five. And so with that, I then have to say, okay, so my body is feeling really refreshed. My emotions are a little bit frustrated, but I'm okay. And so with that, I can then say, if my body's feeling really well, then that means I can still do all the things that I need to do today. I can go to the gym, I can hang out with friends, I can continue working, all those different types of things I can do. Regardless of how I feel emotionally, physiologically, I can do all those things. Now, when you look at your emotions, your emotions will often say, well, if I wake up depressed or I'm really frustrated or I'm really overwhelmed, then that means I have to stay in bed all day. That means I have to yell and scream at people. And that's not the case at all. Your body physiologically can do all the things it needs to do. Emotionally, you can then choose to do something with those emotions. You can then choose to be proactive or react with those emotions. So the way to use emotions as a strategic tool, and you'll hear about that in just a few minutes, but we need to create ways in which we always know what we're experiencing. So what I always tell people to do is to set an alarm on your phone. Your smartphone is there for a reason. When you can set an alarm, let's say every hour or every three hours, when that alarm goes off, you immediately say, all right, let me check in with myself. So scales one to 10. One to 10 physiologically, how am I feeling? And then you'll say, well, one to 10 emotionally, how am I feeling? And if you find the rating for your emotions is lower, then you wanna say, well, what's going on with me? So if you check in and you're below a five, more than likely you're thinking about something or something happened that you're carrying over to the next hour. So now you get to decide, what am I going to do with that? Do I still wanna feel this way? Do I wanna change it? It gives you a proactive way to catch yourself before all these things build up and then you explode or you respond in a way that you're not happy about. So this is a really good way to proactively manage your emotions and separate between what you're physiologically feeling and how your body responds emotionally. Your emotions always have a physical expression in the actions that you have. So when you can proactively be aware of what it is you're experiencing, you can then figure out what you're going to do with it. When you practice this simple tool, the more you will be in control of your thoughts, your emotions, and how your body responds then you can use your emotions as a strategic tool. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. Dr. Ed Dobby is a professor of psychology and the author of two Amazon best-selling books. His first book, Emotions as Tools, introduces the Emotions as Tools model. It includes specific emotions of anger, anxiety, fear, sadness, guilt, and shame. His most recent book, Beyond Anger Management, focuses primarily on the important emotions of anger. Dr. Dobby is best known for making difficult topics such as emotions both usable and understandable. Welcome to my show. Well, thank you very much for having me, James. I'm looking forward to the interview. Yes, I'm looking forward to it as well. We're definitely going to be talking about your book, Beyond Anger Management, but I do want to touch a little bit on your first book, Emotions as Tools. So a lot of things to cover today, but before we get started, I want to find out how did you become a doctor of psychology? <laughs> that's, that's an interesting <laughs> question. I basically fell into psychology. It, uh -huh. was, almost, it was almost accidental. 
when I went to, I did my undergraduate at UC Berkeley, and I was a pre-med major, and I also was an, a double major in economics. And I thought, if I don't oh get goodness. into medical, okay. yeah, <laughs> if I don't get into medical school, then I can go into law or I can go into business. Uh -huh. And uh, one summer, I got a call from a cousin of mine who was talking to me about a camp back in upstate New York for quote exceptional children. It was a real misnomer that I know now, but I didn't know it then. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I went back there to this camp. And the young woman, this was before I was married, the young woman I was interested in was assigned to the autistic kids. Uh -huh. And so because I was spending time with her, I was spending time with them. And I got really interested in the subject of, of autism and psychology. And I went to the psychologist at the camp and asked him questions. And I was done with the camp. I went back to Berkeley. And I said, didn't get into medical school, so I went to the psychology department and talked the secretary into waiving my lower division courses. I have taught psych one, but I never took it. Oh, neat. <laughs> and, <laughs> and applied to graduate school and got in. And that's how I got into psychology. It was accidental. I hate to admit this. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I really like the story because it's, it is those random serendipitous or fortuitous moments in our life, which really do change us. You know, we can look back, of course, and laugh about it. But at that moment, we didn't realize that, oh my gosh, I got this phone call. I heard about this camp. All of a sudden I'm working with these kids and now here I am. I'm in a completely different field than what I originally started. So I always love to hear those stories. I think it's so neat. That everybody has such a different version of how they got to where they are today. But psychology is really where I should have been. It was the field that is perfectly matched with my personality and the way I deal with people. So it was ser serendipitous, but it was perfect for me. Yes. And then you worked as a, as a senior psychologist at the juvenile division of the California Department of Corrections. Tell us a little bit about that. My first job out of graduate school was with the California, was then called the California Youth Authority. It's now the California Department of Corrections Juvenile Division. And I was hired basically to do evaluations. So I did psychological evaluations and then there was a psychiatrist who did psychiatric and so forth. Our evaluations were to go to the youth authority board who had to decide how much time to give these, these youth mm -hmm. and whether or not to let them go. So that's mm. what I was doing. And I did that for about three years. And then a position opened up on the specialized counseling program. And I went over there and my specialty was testing and evaluation. It wasn't therapy. So I get over there, and now I'm, I'm in a situation where I have to communicate with young women who all have his, histories of, of severe abuse, physical, emotional, sexual, oh the, whole, oh, the whole nine yards, right? And, and I don't have the language in order to be able to communicate with these folks in a therapy situation. Yeah. Because my language is graduate school mm -hmm. language, and their language is basically high school education or below and street. Yeah. And, and so I'm figuring, how am I going to teach these young women about emotions? Because they didn't know how to deal with them. They either hurt themselves or they hurt other people, which is why they were there. Oh, and so yeah. I had to develop a metaphor in order to talk to them about feelings. And that was the emotions as tools model. Because wow. Okay. Everybody, everybody knows about tools, whether it's your computer, whether it's your, your uh, remote control on your TV or it's your phone or or even getting into a car. A car is a tool. Mm -hmm. And you have to, if you don't learn to master that tool, then you can't use it. If you don't learn how to drive a stick shift, and the only car that you have access to, which happened to me, by the way, <laughs> if you don't know how to drive a standard shift, you're out of luck. Exactly. So you you learn how to master the tool. 
I really and, like that. I think I think it, it creates a different spin on things because I think so many times people think, oh, I have to do something a perfect way or I have to do this. And sometimes we don't realize that whatever you have, just like you're saying with your emotions, that's something you, you have regardless. And with that, when people try and deny certain things or, or try and say, I should never do this, then we are not using a tool which could be kind of reframed into something else, which can help us then use something effectively. That's exactly correct. And, I, and the emotions as tools model worked not only with the young women I, I was seeing in therapy, but it also worked with the staff because now I was mm. asked to train correctional staff. And these folks, police as well, which I've, with whom I've also worked, they have a different mentality. Yes. They tend to be very concrete. What's the problem? How do I fix it? Mm-hmm. And why can't and it be fixed? Yeah. And mm-hmm. why can't it be fixed? And don't ask me to, mess, to deal with all these messy stuff like emotions. Well, excuse me, officer, but you've got them, and they're going to affect you whether you deal with them or not. Yes, exactly. So you might as well learn how to deal with them, and here's a model you can relate to because your emotions, whether it's anger or it's anxiety or whatever it happens to be, is simply a tool that you can learn to master the same way you learn to master not the use of, of tear gas or you use your baton. It's the same process. It's just a different focus. Exactly. And I really like that. We're definitely going to expound on that in just a second. Is that how you became known as the emotions doctor? <laughs> yeah, I, I had to figure out a way how I was going to identify myself. And that's what I came up with. Which, <laughs> it's just street which, cred. <laughs> yeah, it's street cred, which is also very interesting because when I was a kid, I was the emotions avoider. Hmm. And the if you don't if you want me to go in a little yeah. bit how I got to the emotions doctor sure. well here's the process when I was a kid emotions were not dealt with well in my family at all mm-hmm. when my mom died my dad came up to me of course for his generation it was you don't show emotions he's crying because his wife of 50 years has just died and he's mm-hmm. apologizing to me for crying oh no okay yeah well I mean we dealt with it but that's that's where I came from so yeah. emotions were not dealt with so <clears throat> I get into graduate school, and I'm still dealing with things in my head, dealing with things cognitively. And I did a a friend of mine in in San Francisco, because I did my my internship up at Napa State Hospital here in California. A friend of my parents, my next door neighbor, was the director, clinical director of a place called Henry Olaf House, and it was a treatment program for addicts, um, mm-hmm. alcoholic addicts and, and so forth. So I go up to this guy and I say, can, can, would you mind if I sat in on your groups? And he says, no, you can't. Oh, excuse okay. me. <laughs> but, then, but, but then he says, but what you can do is you can be a participant observer. Oh, okay. 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 Piece of cake. I'm, sure. I'm a PhD in psychology. I can handle this. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Six months into the group, the folks in this group say, you know what, Ed? You are a non-drinking alcoholic. Huh? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, because what I did is I covered up my emotions and, and repress, not suppress them, suppress them uh-huh. by going into my head. Oh, wow. So I built up this, this wall that protected me and they saw through it. And isn't that hard? It's interesting as, as, as a clinician myself, when you have, you know, whatever setting you're in, you know, we usually present ourselves a certain way when we're in a professional setting. And then to have people that maybe see through that when we're not expecting it, we're like, whoa, I'm blindsided by that. I, this is a huge revelation. I didn't see it. So I'm sure that really changed your, your worldview, really even your, your, your personality of, and had to go through that introspective time of, wait a minute, I didn't realize I had a huge blind spot here. 
Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So, so then I, I, I started my first job, which we talked about, uh-huh. and, and now I'm, I'm working with these young women, and I remember how I put my emotions down, and I need to help them deal with their emotions, and so I went through that whole process that we talked about earlier and mm-hmm. developed a model, and then I retired after 32 years working with the Youth Authority. Wow. And so now I'm retired, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to do private practice, and yet I still think I have something to offer people. Yes, you do. So why don't I write a book? And so that was the, my first book, and I did some I did some speaking issues around emotions as tools and the model. And then I thought, okay, so I need a brand, so let's call myself the Emotions Doctor. And after I got over the initial shock of it, because I know where I came from, <laughs> and now I know where I am, and that's how I got to the Emotions Doctor. Yeah, I love it. That's that's a great story. Once again, it's so neat how all these things kind of fall together, fall into place rather, to create the person you are today. Let's focus specifically on your book, because I want to talk about your book, Beyond Anger Management, Master Your Anger as a Strategic Tool. Help us understand how anger can be used as a strategic tool. In order to understand that, you need to understand the the emotional process. And we all all go through this. We relate now to emotions the same way we did when we lived in caves. Mm -hmm. And when we lived in caves, what we did is we scanned our environment, we looked for threat, and our body then automatically put us into threat mode to deal with threats. Mm-hmm. And, and that was fine back then because everything was a survival threat. Today, it, we don't deal with survival threats like saber-toothed tigers. Most of our threats are psychological threats. We have to deal with, with people at work who disrespect us. We have to deal with traffic that we, we don't, we, we're stuck in. So anyway, so we, everybody constantly scans their environment. And when you perceive a threat, fast-track message goes to the amygdala which automatically puts your body into fight or flight. You're ready to fight the threat. Now, a slower track message goes to, and this is where your three-second your three process uh-huh, comes yeah. in, by the way, James. Sure. A slower track message goes to the cerebral cortex, which is the thinking part of your brain, which enables you now to step back and say, what's going on? Now, every emotion has a message. And when you understand the message of the emotion, that gives you the ability to master that emotion. Yes. The message of anger is I perceive a threat that I believe I am stronger than and that I can overpower if I throw enough force at it, which is why you see people when they get angry, they're ready to go to war. Mm-hmm. They're go- ready to go to battle. And they, when they do that, they then do things they later regret. Yes. Okay. So now if you understand that the message of anger is I perceive a threat, now you have the ability to then step back which is part of the emotional process, to step back and say, wait a minute, what is the nature of the threat that I perceive? Is it a real threat? Am I in fact, is is my life being threatened? Are my basic goals being threatened? Whatever it happens to be. So now you can make a choice. When you use anger as a strategic tool, strategic says I am taking the situation and I am applying this tool to master, to deal with that situation. That's how you strategically apply, saying, what do I want to accomplish in this situation, and how can I use this tool to do it? So when you understand that anger, you perceive a threat, Mm -hmm. you now can look at that threat. If it is indeed a real threat, then you use the energy that your anger has provided you, because you're ready for battle, to then choose how you want to respond 
This is also something you teach, by the way. Mm -hmm. You teach respond, not react. Exactly. And I think that's one of the most important things is because that energy has to go somewhere. The it energy does. of, you know, this fight or flight or, you know, you perceive something to be harmful for you or that's something you can overcome with your anger. And then obviously your body creates all this energy and I won't go into the specifics of it, but you have all this energy. And then once you realize, wait a minute, maybe this threat isn't what I thought. It's got to do something. So that's when you can take something which is going to be as, as a fence and you turn it into something proactive, proactive in your response, proactive in what your strategic outcome is going to be. Sometimes the specifics of that energy could be you literally have to remove yourself. M physical movement is going to help burn off that energy that's created within your body. Yes. Now, let me give you an example. Sure. About a year or so ago, I went onto a, a forum, a women's forum on LinkedIn, professional women's forum, and I asked the question, what happens when you anger appropriately in a work setting? And I got about 2,000 responses, the, the main gist of which is when I as a woman, not me, but when sure. I as a woman express anger, I either get demeaned or called names or I get marginalized or I get ignored. Hmm. So now, apply, yes, applying anger strategically in that situation would involve – the, the woman saying, okay, there clearly is a threat here. This man is disrespecting me. He's stealing my work, whatever it happens to be. But I cannot attack him – not attack. I can't go at him directly because I'm in a, a, a situation where I don't have the power. I don't have the prestige. I can't deal with him directly. And yet I'm going to take my anger and I'm going to use that ang the power of that anger to come up with a plan to deal with this individual mm -hmm. and the threat that he represents. And so I, what I, would, I suggested to these women in that case was to do it indirectly. But mm. you're, you're, you're applying, you're strategically applying the anger, but you're taking that anger and your, or the energy and you're applying it in a way which will allow you to achieve your objective, which is to restore the, your situation in that office and get the respect that you deserve. That's strategically applying anger. Yes, which I think is great because it is true. Some things are not as cut and dry as if I do this, you know, the solution's right in front of me. Now I can create, have the best outcome, et cetera. You're, you're right. There's so many ways in which we have to think about this a little bit more, you know, and, and I think in theory, all this is very practical, but it's very hard to do initially until you can say, wait a minute, I always have choices. I have a choice here. And I think that's so many times what people feel is when they feel as if they be, are, are very angry, that usually the only choice is defense. But to rethink it in a different way to say, I have so many more choices here. What are my choices? What are my options? And for these particular women, being able to formulate the additional options, even though it may be a little bit more involved, but in doing that gives them the outcome they want. So I really want people to understand as well that you always, always, always have a choice in how you respond to any of these situations. Yes, but even more than that. When you strategically apply anger or any other emotion, the, the first part of that is to validate the emotion, mm -hmm. to, yes. to say, I am angry. And, and the reason why that's important is because if you're not used to dealing with anger, your own or somebody else's, because it also applies when you're dealing with somebody else's anger, if you don't validate it, then, you're, then what you're more likely going to do is you're going to deny it. Yes. I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be angry. I don't have a right to be angry. No, your anger is always valid for yes, you. Now, that is. doesn't mean it's valid for the situation, but it's your anger. And when you, when you accept that you are angry, that opens up all the possibilities for now to move into mastering that anger. But first you have to validate it for you and accept it. I like how you differentiate between it's valid because all, all emotions have value for, our, for ourselves. I like to hear how you say if it's appropriate in the expression or not. Because I think also if we do deny the anger, deny the emotions themselves, 
then all of a sudden we compound it with shame or guilt or um, you know any type of thinking error that may come in of I shouldn't be this way, what's wrong with me, or why am I always this way? That completely negates or really compounds how to then take these emotions and be proactive as opposed to now we're putting or denigrating ourselves or causing ourselves to feel even worse or even less than in a internal way. And then all of a sudden, what was bothering us externally, now we've had this internal conflict and we feel like it's always going to be this way. There's really no, nothing we can do to change our environment. Yes. Now, let me take it one step farther for your listeners. I teach that in every situation, everybody does the best they can with the information that they have. Now, it's not the best that's possible mm-hmm. because clearly we all make mistakes, but it's the best we can given the information we have or our perceptions about the situations in which we find ourselves. Yes. Now, what that says is let's not judge ourselves on the behavior. Yes, we can take a look at what we did later on and whether it was appropriate to the situation, but let's accept now that this is what we're doing on how we see the situation. So if we want to change what we're doing, we need to change our perception of the situation in which we find ourselves. I totally agree with that, 100. percent You know, if I, I think it's so important because you know I always think about regret. You know, people are like, oh, I regret about this or that. And but I think we did what we did, what we thought was healthiest at that time. With <laughs> upon reflection, we have more information. Whatever information is in front of you is going to determine how you respond. So I love to hear that you validate the emotion, you validate the experience, you review it later for good learning. But in that moment, you're going to do what's healthiest for you in that moment. Right. Now, I learned that because when I first started doing therapy with these young women, I had five young women who had all had killed their children. Oh my gosh, I, no. I never came in contact with that in graduate school. And what I had to help them understand that while what they did was monstrous, mm-hmm. they were not monsters. Correct. Because as long as they continue to see themselves as monsters, there was not going to be any psychological growth. Now, I made it clear to them that you are responsible for the actions that you took. And the consequences. And the consequences, yes. Right. None of what I'm saying here lets you off the hook for what you did. But if you're going to grow psychologically, you need to understand that you did the best you could with your perception of the situation. Wasn't the best possible. But let's take a look at that and let's grow beyond it. Exactly. Well, because I think you give people hope because sometimes yes. people, uh, for, for whatever reason, in a broader spectrum, we often become the we often become the event of what happened. For example, if I'm a divorced person or I'm some, or I, I'm a person who I got a DUI, whatever those things may be, we become the label of, which, of what happened in that event. And in doing that, that often emotionally and psychologically stunts us from being able to grow and develop into the next version or the healthier version we can be. Right. And while we're talking about it, I think it's also important for your listeners to understand that while this is easy for you and I to talk about it, mm-hmm. it makes it sound like the process is easy. It's not. <laughs> it's not, yeah. <laughs> I, and and I, I, I learned that because I taught a class on personal growth, and I, would have, I had one class where it was like, bring your questions to the doctor. You bring it, and I'll answer it. And so I had one of my students, and he asked a question, or she asked a question, and I gave him this very quick answer. And it was like, Wow, Dr. Dobby, I didn't realize my my problem was was that easy. How oh, come I yeah, sure. this Well, <laughs> the reason was I've got 32 years of experience mm-hmm. and I can give you a quick answer, but no, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. 
you're going to have to work at it and practice it. And when you do, then you'll get good at it and you will learn to master the situation in which you find yourself. Yes. And I think that's a really good point because I, I'm sure there are many people who do think that like, well, these two, these two professionals, that's what they teach. That's what they live by in, in their own lives. But it is practice. I don't always do the best I can. I do the best I can as far as my response. But upon reflection, sure, I can grow and develop. And there are many other things I could do. So it's really good to hear that you normalize it for my listeners and help them understand that this is a process and not a one shot and you're done. And yes, I still get angry. And sometimes I look back and say, did I just say that? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I do the same thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. Thankfully, there are no cameras and nothing's around. You've heard that. They caught that. Well, Dr. Duffy, it's been a fantastic time speaking with you today. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and about your book, Beyond Anger Management, Master Your Anger as a Strategic Tool, where would they find this information online? Both of my books are on Amazon, and you can get the information there. But what I would suggest your listeners do is go to my website, my blog. It's theemotionsdoctor.com. And in the welcome post, you can download – there's no opt-in, and it's free. You can download the first two chapters of both of my books, both Emotions as Tools and Beyond Anger Management. Also from that welcome post, you can download a copy of the Anger Mastery Process – the emotional process, and that also is a free download. Excellent. My email is theemotionsdoctor at gmail.com. So if, if questions come up, you can email me. And again, I would say that they go to my blog. I post once a week, and the information is covering all kinds of emotions. There's all kinds of really good information there. If they like an article, please leave a comment. And if you like the books, please leave a comment. That's really helpful for me. Wonderful. So, Dr. Dobby, what I'm going to do as well is I'm going to put your books on my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com. So if my listeners aren't able to find it any other place, simply go to my website, once again, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and you can find them in my store. They will link you directly to Amazon, and you may purchase them through my site off of Amazon. Dr. Dobby, thank you once again for your time. We really appreciate this interview. Well, thank you very much, James. I've enjoyed it, and I hope it's useful to your listeners. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever port you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.